welcome to the Farm Answers Podcast. The Farm Answers Podcast takes a deeper look at projects funded by the USDA National Institute of Food and Agriculture's Beginning Farm and Rancher Development Program and how they are reaching beginning farmers and ranchers. CISO works to strengthen farms and engage the community to build the local food economy in Western Massachusetts. Their project involves workshops and networking meetings, direct outreach materials, and online resources for beginning farmers. Today on the Farm Answers podcast, we talk with Kelly Coleman from CISA to learn more about their project. CISA stands for Community Involved in Sustaining Agriculture. We are a nonprofit organization celebrating 30 years. And originally, the organization started out of a group of concerned community members who were interested in supporting local farmers and helping them thrive and survive in their farm businesses within Franklin, Hampshire, and Hamden counties of Western Massachusetts. So it's a small region along the Connecticut River in Western Massachusetts. Those community members got together and forming conversations around specific topics, some people thinking about how to get more people to buy local, some people thinking about labor or land access, a lot of the same issues that farms are and farm support advocates are thinking about today still were the topics of the original conversations. And one of the one of those groups sort of hit upon the idea of finding ways to encourage local community members to buy local and increasing awareness about local agriculture through marketing and branding. And that group, with some funding from the Kellogg Foundation, launched the Be a Local Hero, Buy Locally Grown campaign, which is our marketing sort of brand that supports local agriculture in Western Massachusetts. So it's a public-facing brand that helps tag local agricultural products as being local so consumers can recognize them in the marketplace. And then we do a lot of work maintaining an online guide and reaching out to the public through media and social media to make sure that they know what's in season and where to find it. So that's sort of where the organization started. And over time, as our capacity grew, we began to do a lot more work supporting farms on farm as well as in the marketplace. So providing a technical assistance to farm businesses and thinking about their own marketing plan, financial planning, diversification. And so that now is the bulk of our staff time is spent on that technical assistance side for farms because the market alone is not going to solve farm viability challenges in this environment. Farms need support in other ways. And so our staff provides a lot of that direct technical assistance support and connects farms directly to experts in taxes or maybe it's employee management or maybe it's some sort of in-depth financial analysis. So part of your program involves hosting workshops for beginning farmers. What topics do you cover during these workshops? What I was describing earlier is our general programming for all farmers in our community. And then we've got focused programming specifically for farms through the Beginning Farmer and Rancher Development Program focused on operating a farm for fewer than 10 years. And for those farms, we do a lot of work reaching out to farms to understand what their current needs are. And for this current grant, we have spent the majority of our time on a series of things. So we've done workshops on financial accounting and QuickBooks to support farmers in developing their own financial tools so they can better assess farm viability and make business decisions that are based on an understanding of their prior financial 
uh, situation, but also looking ahead. We've also expanded our program area to include a lot of work around climate change, climate adaptation, and climate mitigation. And that's been essential in the last couple of years. This year alone, we've seen three major weather disasters that are, you know, could happen anytime, but the the frequency of them and the intensity of them feels like it's very related to climate change in the country, in the world. So around climate work, we have helped connect farmers to understanding what programs and offerings both FSA and NRCS are doing, thinking about particularly farm energy use and resource conservation. And we've done a fair amount with water management in our region. So drainage and irrigation adaptation and reduced tillage. Western Massachusetts has historically, historically our mixed vegetable farms are not fully irrigated, but we have been through droughts recently in the last couple of years that have really suggested that it's worth investing more on ir- in irrigation for many of our farmers. Without an established irrigation system, farms spend a tremendous amount of time and labor moving water around so that they can keep their plants um, in in good production. So we have been helping farms think about what are what are the irrigation options, how do you set that up, what resources can you access to help implement. We've looked at on-farm composting as well help farms establish regenerative agricultural practices to keep nutrients within their business and on their land. And then we've also done some more one-off workshops to help farms think about uh, small farm, small tool and small equipment options. So that's an example of sort of one-off strategy. And that, that workshop, we also provided translation, sort of live interpretation into Spanish as well for farmers. And we've got a couple more workshops that we're still planning as part of this grant. And really, we do our topic development in partnership with farm listening to farmers. So we have we both reach out to beginning farmers to understand what their current needs and issues are and also have worked with an evaluator who does a focus group like every other year or so with local farmers, beginning farmers. So we use that information to help us inform what to focus on. Now, how does a beginning farmer participate in your workshops? How do they find them or find you? We are fairly well known within the farming community. The farming community is not that big in our region. So we're fairly well known, but we also do a tremendous amount of work on outreach. So there are existing farmer networks that we tap into to spread the word, partnerships with UMass Extension and other service providers in the region as well that we use to help spread the word about workshops, the Department of Agricultural Resources, as well as you know American Farmland Trust or Land for Good, other entities. And And then there are a fair number of groups in the region that operate incubator farms. And so we will partner with them to get the word out and also ensure that our programming is in alignment with programming that our partners are offering rather than providing the same material in the same ways. Sort of related to your BFRDP project, 
is another workshop that you've done. And you recently won an award, an Outstanding Project Award through Extensionist Management for this. Can you tell me a little bit about that workshop and how it was helping farmers in your region? Through the Northeast Extension Risk Management Education, we had a project uh, several years ago that focused on helping farmers make sound business decisions. So it was very much focused on what are the tools for decision making. That particular series included a couple of foundational workshops on financial record keeping so that farms who did not yet have strong financial record keeping could get up to speed with sort of what the language was around record keeping and what you would look for, why you would keep records. And then we dove into a a full series on sound business decision-making tools. So in that series, we use strategies both from programs like the whole farm planning which looks at holistic goal setting and then goal testing, where you can help assess whether or not you're making progress towards your goal. But we also looked at other strategies for for decision making on the farm in that series. So providing practical frameworks for thinking about decision making. We did a session on financial feasibility to help farms understand whether or not the thing you want to do is feasible for your farm. How and where would you go find answers to that question? So you want to build a new packing shed. Like, could you afford it financially? What are the other considerations? Where are you putting it? That Those are things. How would you go about getting those answers? And then how would you look at that data so that you can make a decision? So we worked with Rose Wilson, uh, who had originally designed some a framework in partnership with Vermont Housing and Conservation Board's Farm Viability Program. And we also, as I mentioned earlier, used a holistic decision-making process that was developed by the Holistic Management International as two sort of tools and strategies for farmers to implement in decision-making. And then we partnered those workshops with some one-on-one time and a cohort meetings to allow farms to actually begin to think through a decision that they were in the process of making, get it on paper, and then share their challenges, their frustrations with their peers and with the presenters to get additional feedback and help them move forward. So you also host a few networking meetings. What do those look like? That varies a lot depending on the season and who we're targeting. We do a number of different types of networking meetings. So typically about once a year in the spring, if we can pull it off, we will do a sort of farmer buyer networking meeting where we're pulling together farmers and people who are buying food. So often that's other farmers through for their farm stand or for a value-added product that they're developing. But sometimes that's also includes small scale retailers and restaurants, uh, especially product producers. So those sort of entities. So that that's one form of network that our networking has taken. And then we also sort of dedicate time to for farmers to network amongst themselves. And that can vary. So we'll slice and dice the farming community a little bit based on sort of what we're hearing interest in. So the last year, two years, we've done focused networking for fiber farmers. And that's been on Zoom and it's allowed people from across the state to come since there are only so many fiber, fiber farmers in a, rigid, in a individual community. We've also done a workshop specifically for meat producers or a networking opportunity specifically for meat producers. So those are two ways we've sliced and diced it. And then we've done these focus groups, which also sort of serve as networking opportunities for beginning farmers as well. 
last year. Inflation was a big concern for farms in, in the beginning of the season, especially when farms were beginning to think about how to set their CSA pricing for the year. And so we did a networking meeting on pricing and price setting and inflation to, it, that served the function of like allowing farmers to talk with each other and creating some social time and space for farms together. Outside of workshops and networking meetings, you've also done several one-on-one support style meetings. What did those meetings look like? That depends a lot on what a farm is looking for support with. So we try to establish our technical assistance support so that a farm can call us or email or text us with whatever need it is that they have, question or concern. And first off, our staff will sort of take that and see whether or not it's uh, just an answer that needs to be researched and provided back to them, or is it a referral to another partner who has that level of expertise directly? But sometimes what the farm needs is more in-depth support in some aspect of their work. And so then we will either set them up with one of our staff people that have that level of expertise and can either go on farm or join them on Zoom or phone for an hour plus to talk through the issue or concern that they have. And sometimes we bring in an outside consultant who can provide that level of expertise. So if it's a question about like how to set up your QuickBooks so that you can more easily file your taxes, like we will probably bring in a tax consultant to provide support on that. Um, If it is more around establishing goals, or maybe it's about applying for a state grant to fund an infrastructure investment, then we'd probably set you up with a staff person. Now, in the second year of this project, you reached over 700 beginning farmers through direct outreach materials. Tell me a little bit about what these materials look like and how other beginning farmers can access them. This beginning farmer and rancher development program grant that we have is is in partnership with organizations across the state so that we can cover more areas of the state, provide service to farmers in more areas of the state and make sure that that service is like grounded in the needs of specific farms. So we have partners in the Berkshires and Central Mass and in the Southeast part of the state. So combined, all of us do outreach about our programming and services. We do that through a number of ways. CISA, the typical model for outreach is that when we are doing a workshop series, we will develop a print piece to get mailed to farmers. We do social media posts, we do listserv posts, and then we do outreach directly through our own email list and and farmer list as well. Often we might pair that with some one-on-one outreach as well to farms that we think have expressed interest in the topic area in the past to make sure that they're aware of the offering. But those you know, like that suite of things is typically, typically gets pretty good uh, response. So with CISA providing so many educational and training materials to beginning farmers, can you give me an example of a beginning farmer that was able to implement something new on their farm because of your organization? One example of a farm that we've worked with through this grant is a small poultry farm that also does a lot of value-added products, largely with their own poultry and also buying in stuff. And so they, and they run a farm stand and there's a 
new generation that has complete management of the farm business, but there's not sort of like the previous generation. There were full four family members that were actively engaged in the farm. And in this new generation, there are not. <laughs> and so the person who's taken over most the bulk of the farm management has been struggling to figure out how to like bring on support and staffing into management roles and create opportunities for someone else to be a sort of leader within the farm business. So we have worked with them a fair amount on articulating the various jobs on the farm business and then thinking through how to post and manage those different jobs within the farm. So that farm sort of established a farm operations position for the first time, in addition to the owner manager there, that was one of the first time they've had to hire someone at a high level into the farm. And so we worked with them a bit on what that process would look like and how to um, establish it. And they did, in fact, hire someone who they were planning on slowly bringing into sort of more of an ownership role as the business succeeded. So we also worked with a farmer who is at one of the incubator farm sites that I mentioned earlier. So they're farming with support of another entity, but they've got their own farm business. And we're looking at how to think a little bit more about branding and marketing. And so that's where sort of CISA's level of expertise came in. And we worked with this farm to help them think through a brand and a logo for their business, something that would reflect their business to the community they were trying to serve to and uh, sort of raise recognition and awareness about the farm. So that involved bringing in a designer to actually work on the visual presentation, but also working with our staff to talk through what were the values that they were trying to project with their brand and and what was important aspects of of the visual representation, representation that they needed to show. And also where did they need to use the brand? Was it packaging? Was it at a farm stand? So we worked through that with them to make sure that the marketing and branding design matched their marketing needs. This often meant that we would do like t-shirts for the farmers to wear at the farm stand or when they're interacting directly with customers as well as banners more because most of these farms are doing direct sales and this particular farm, Dragon Farm, is one of those doing direct sales through within the local community and then through a farmer's market. What is one piece of advice you have for someone considering participating in one of your programs? Do it. (laughs) (laughs) No, I, I mean, I think that one of the things that is important to remember is like, we have a lot of resources to offer and we can tailor those resources to your needs. And you have to be ready as a farmer to take advantage of those resources. Like we can only help you so much with the tools, the training, the thing, but there's an element of thinking that you're going to have to do in order to take advantage of those tools. So it's sometimes important to think about when in, when in your farm season or in the year, are you going to have time to sort of dedicate a little bit of thinking time? You know, we're here for you. If you've got an emergency and a crisis and you're just looking for an answer and for the more in-depth shifts and changes to your farm business, like that we do in partnership. And so it's useful to think about when you're going to have capacity and then approach us. That's definitely a great piece of advice. So on the flip side to that, do you have any advice for someone looking to implement a similar program in their state or region? 
talk to beginning farmers or want to be beginning farmers, I feel like our best strategy has been understanding what farmers needs are and then ensuring that we're flexible enough to meet them. And we have consultant partners and our staff ourselves have a good understanding of the sort of farm life cycle and what sort of challenges might come up. And that's really important because farms don't often know what their challenge is. They just, they sometimes just need to talk through it to figure out where the heart of the matter is, what's the crux to, to work on. So it's a partnership combination of listening directly to farms and what their challenges are and then bringing some perspective to that to figure out where the, where the places are that you can have most impact. And as we close out the episode, where can people go to find out more about your program? Our website's buylocalfood.org. So there you will find a whole suite of resources for farmers, as well as our upcoming workshops and trainings. Do you have any social media that people can follow you on? Yes, I guess we do. (laughs) We are on Facebook. We're on Instagram. We're on Twitter. That's twitter.com backslash CISA staff or at instagram.com backslash CISA underscore local hero or facebook.com backslash buylocalfood.org, which is also our website. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast and sharing your project with our listeners. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Farm Answers Podcast. This episode was hosted by Megan Engel. To learn more about this USDA National Institute of Food and Agriculture's Beginning Farm and Rancher Development Program project or other BFRDP projects, visit farmanswers.org. The Farm Answers Podcast and farmanswers.org are funded by the United States Department of Agriculture National Institute of Food and Agriculture and are a product of the Center for Farm Financial Management at the University of Minnesota.